Hey everyone, it's your host, your best friend, your confidant, uh, Brent here, just sending you a message from post-production. Uh, just want to apologize for in advance for this episode. I was in the process of moving house when we recorded this, so I recorded it with my laptop microphone, which is absolutely terrible, so I apologize in advance for the terrible, terrible sound quality on my part. Hopefully it doesn't ruin your enjoyment of this episode. And I hope you look forward to hearing us riff on the majesty that is Bad Boys 2. Let's get into it. All right, TNT, listen up. Since 9-11, we've gone high-tech over the water, so the dope runners have gone low. The biggest shipment on record is coming in tonight, and these guys we're going after, they got a lot of firepower, and they hate the law. what are you, a cop or a model? Hey, don't hate the player, hate the game. I hate the teller. What was subtle about your work today? Oh! This is all your fault! Can we please talk about this later? I want to talk about it right now! Well, I'll see if they'll give us a timeout! This is Unwatchable, brought to you by the Nobleman Podcast Network and our friends at Anchor FM. I'm Brent Evans, I'm here with Ben Norris and Corey Ray Mackey, and we are, well, I am personally so excited for this one. Today we finally get to riff on Bad Boys 2, the, the Michael Bay masterpiece, the cinema version of Doing Cocaine, the pinnacle of Bayhem, the Citizen Kane of its generation. Is is there more, guys, or did I pretty much sum it up? No, I, um, the, would you call him the, the, the boat as opposed to the goat? I don't know what a boat the, is. Well, he'd be the bayest of all time as opposed to the greatest of all time. Uh, this is off to a great start, guys. This is great. <laughs> this is, that's I feel like would be in the negative view after after that joke. Good God! Yeah, we've we've lost everyone. If I didn't lose yeah. everyone, in Bad Boys Bad Boys Two is a good movie. Of um, we've lost, definitely lost them now. So it's $273 million at the box office. It was the 10th biggest film of 2003. Unfortunately and unjustly has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes, making its critical reception the worst non-Transformers film of Michael Bay's career. 
Yes, you heard right. It has a worse tomato meter rating than Pearl Harbor. Wow. But some would say it changed the action genre and perhaps cinema forever. You know, enough about that. Let's um, let's get into it. Uh, you sh- I'll, I'll just get one of you guys to kick off like I always do. Well, I mean, the, the Rotten Tomato <laughs> rating, the Rotten Tomato rating really th- kind of throws me for a loop because I, for me, it wasn't that bad. I'm going to be honest here. I haven't watched Bad Boys 1. And I haven't watched the recent Bad Boys. I haven't watched any Bad Boys except for Bad Boys 2. And I'm not a Michael Bay fan either. I don't like a lot of films that Michael Bay does. Bad Boys 2 wasn't too bad. It was it was <laughs> it was marketed as an action comedy. It had action, decent action. It was funny, quite comedic. It was a good film. Why does it have 23% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, and Bad Boys 2 is basically Bad Boys on cocaine the whole time. It's turned up to 12 yeah. for two and a half hours. It's it's the epitome of excess, the action, the vulgarity, the, the Will Smith-ness of it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I felt tired after and watching it. It's, That's a it's good strange point. I like felt people tired going in. as well. <laughs> I, feel, I feel fucking pumped. <laughs> it's an exhausting movie. It's I it's actually it's legitimately an exhausting experience. I've, I'm not gonna. You lie. almost feel like oh, you've yeah. done a 90 minute workout just watching the film. I don't know yeah, if I it's quite that. For me. <laughs> I was watching, you know, watching it with my wife, and it's like, oh, we're an hour in. We're only we're not even halfway, and I think there's been like 45 action sequences. Exactly, <laughs> it's just truly exhausting in that sense of just like you don't even really know what like what's happening in the story either it's just like sequences just kind of happen because they need yeah. to for some reason because it's a michael bay yeah. movie <laughs> yeah and that's what's kind of like interesting <laughs> yeah. about the whole ride is that like it's it's so it's so much of a michael bay experience in the best and the worst way possible like he's clearly not a great storyteller but as someone who is completely fetishized, yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, or yeah, he just completely <laughs> allows, I guess, like all of his, you know, fetishes to come forward, which in a weird way maybe is like part of the joy of Bad Boys too. I mean, I guess like for me, it was interesting kind of rewatching this movie because it was a movie that I saw, you know, this, I was a teenager when, when this film came out and I, I remember thinking like Bad Boys yeah. 2 is fucking awesome. Like my friends and I, we all loved a bit of Bad Boys too. We all kind of knew it was dumb at the time, for sure. Like, it was very clearly, I guess, like a, yeah. like a stupid Michael Bay movie, but it was a really fun Michael Bay film that we could just get, you know, um, you know that, that we could just really get around. Um, rewatching it again in 2020 was definitely an experience, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I saw this at the cinema. I think I saw the first Bad Boys when I was probably like 12 or something. And I was just like, oh, this is the best shit ever. So went and bought a ticket to a Finding Nemo, but just snuck in to see Bad Boys 2 instead because it was MA. Mm, bad boy Bit indeed. Bit of a bad boy yourself, mate. Yeah. So as a as a fourteen year old watching watching all this unfold, it's you know a bit breathtaking at that age and probably at the time as well because like I said before, it's sort of like the it is the epitome of Bayhem. Like if you could sum it up in one movie, you just say watch, oh yeah, watch Bad Boys too because it's just ridiculous how cartoonish seems, everything and everyone is. He seems to know his way, yeah, like you said, around an action sequence or at least and and as well, I would say knows how to write himself into one but i don't know I if he does he's, but <laughs> i reckon i, I, I think, think i think that's no, beside the point <laughs> i think it i think it's I beside think, the point i don't know if he necessarily reckon? knows how to write himself into an action sequence so much as he's just like look it's been 10 minutes we need another action sequence here and so even yeah. if we don't necessarily even if the audience doesn't feel 
that there's actually anything at stake right now. We're just going to kind of breeze past these kind of narrative beats and have a sequence that's going to last for about 20 minutes. You're not necessarily going to know why this sequence of events is really happening, like what what the character even really wants or what, you know, what they're going after, but it's going to take up a really big chunk of running time and it's going to be coming at you so like so fast um, and with that much just like kind of camera shake and just insane shit and debris coming at um, at the screen that you're not just really going to even have yeah. time to even question it in a way it's only after the scene ends that you kind of sit there just realizing what the fuck did i just watch i've probably seen this movie minimum 30 times <laughs> if you asked me to tell you the plot in order i wouldn't be able to because i don't know where anything is and mm-hmm. i i did step away from the movie for like 20 minutes to attend to um children and all that and then came back and said oh, i can't wait for this bit and it's like is it gone and mm-hmm. it's Every time I watch it, things happen in a different spot and I forget how far I am into the movie or sort of like, oh man, yeah, I know this bit's towards the end then it happens and you like look at the time and the movie's got an hour. So then I guess from from like, I guess a narrative perspective then, just to give this this podcast perhaps a little bit of structure just because <laughs> like a Michael Bay film, it feels like we're a little bit all over the place right now. Is the narrative yeah, yeah. This, of this film actually coherent at, at all? Or is it just kind of a mess? Like, how do you feel that this that this movie plays from a story perspective? I feel like it kind of got lost in itself. I couldn't figure it out about halfway through. I knew that there was money laundering to do with drug smuggling. <laughs> and that's why the sister was involved because she was doing the money and there was the, ri- the gang rival. I could sort of piece it together, mm-hmm. but... Every time I was starting to sort of pick, figure it out, there was an explosion going on or there was a chase mm-hmm. scene or there was a gunfight or something. And I'm like, oh, no, no, this is actually, no, no, I can't, don't worry about that. This is fun. This is more, this is way more fun. Let's just focus, let's just watch that. One of my most favorite scenes in the movie is the captain's shouting at him, like, you know, how did you sink a boat? And then the movie's sort of <laughs> making fun of itself. Like, my, yeah. Yeah. Will Smith yeah. is trying to explain to the captain what, for some reason, there's this, this helicopter got amazing footage of this. I love that. It's just, it's just somehow, it and just not even like yeah. a perfect sort of angle yeah. of the entire thing yeah. where, where it's, it's playing and at the time that, that they're in the office and like he's just sort of pointing at it like, yeah, perfectly. oh, wait, hold on. Wait, there. Yeah, there goes. Happening. It's like, wait, no. Yeah, like, like that's how, the experience how of the movie footage, as well. And how is it playing? Like, why is it playing exactly at that moment? Like, I don't know. I, I can't I can't give you like a yeah. proper answer as, as to why that's happening. I mean, from like it's that classic story versus plot thing, like but even then that argument doesn't even really apply to this movie. Like from a plot perspective, like things are happening. I I can sort of like you, like <laughs> yeah. I can tell you what is happening. I actually can't really tell you why it's happening. Which from a story perspective I yeah, think that's, is like an absolute failure, obviously. Terrible. If you're trying to break mm. it down from yeah. you know, pure storytelling, just the mechanics of that. There are just things that take up so much screen time. This is a, it's a two and a half hour movie. Things that take up so much screen time yeah. that uh, I can't tell you why this is happening, like what the characters are actually really after. Even so much as just some of the creative choices. Like this, this movie opens up with a like a drug bust, like a KKK rally. And look, I'm not going to yeah. say that I, I didn't have a, a fun time watching these two guys shoot and blow up white supremacists i can get on board with that but 
the fact that yeah, I guess the KKK has like no actually real like narrative reason to be in this movie, which sort of struck me immediately on my rewatch. They were there and then they were gone. Exactly. They don't play into the narrative at all. With that, with that highway chase, it sort of feels like when things start becoming a bit coherent, like you start piecing things together at the same rate, the captain mm-hmm. is like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is happening? Why is there DEA here? What is going mm-hmm. on? And then all of a sudden there's an epic shootout at like some Haitian drug dealer's <laughs> house, which basically serves, like leads to them getting, getting a camera, which leads to a new piece of evidence. But it's sort of like any time where it would be coherent is when an action sequence is thrown in and it totally throws you off like, what the fuck is happening and why is that happening? But <laughs> when, you, when you're watching it at the time, it's hilarious and it's great. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's when you slow down and you're like, think about this movie. It doesn't make sense at all. There's no, there's no emotion driving it. There's no reason driving it. And I think that's probably part of the reason why it sort of never stops. It never slows down. Even the mm-hmm, parts that mm-hmm. are not as action heavy, they're just whipping out. They just pull out all the comedy stops immediately so you're never stopping to think about it. You just think about, oh, look, he took some ecstasy and he's, he's dancing around. He's really funny. Mm-hmm. Like not even mm-hmm. stopping to think about like what the fuck happened <laughs> yeah. and that and that's the thing about this movie like again like having i guess had some sort of history with it from this this movie that i could say is like kind of played a part in my teen years probably before i really started thinking about cinema as like a like an art form i suppose but like looking at it now with all this time that had passed i was still able to sit there have no idea what's going on and know that this is not a piece of art at all and still (laughs) really enjoy the experience despite the fact that i'm saying out loud or just 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 laughing at just how truly dumb this movie is and i think and i think what what gets you through and what makes it oddly enjoyable is actually the character's Despite the fact that I don't know why they're doing anything, that they're, they're actually played very well. Like, like one thing that sort of really yeah. struck me was actually how great Martin Lawrence is in this movie. Like, yeah, I think he's he's sort of yeah. kind of like, you know, at some point, like he sort of became a bit of a meme almost because he kind of stopped doing things for a bit, and even like Bad Boys Two became a bit of a meme just because it, it's a Michael Bay movie. But I was actually struck by how earnest, I guess, or just sincere the performance is in a way. Like, he, he actually plays it straight, despite the fact that, you know, it's such a stupid film overall. They sort of have arcs, but but not really. You know, they've got arcs to sort of serve, to give you a bit of, you know, emotional connection to these these characters without just feeling like they're plot devices. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they you know, they don't. It's a Michael Bay movie, so they don't explore them too much. And even when they do, it's he's avoiding as much as he can getting too close. Like it's a strange, it's a strange sort of like people have described it as adolescent or immature. Like he mm-hmm. avoids wanting to get wanting to delve too deep into these characters. But that's part of you know part of the movie is you're supposed to just it's dumb. You turn off. You don't have to pay that much attention to it, and you still come away with the same experience every time because there's nothing to it i mean i i, I would say obviously though that um as, as much as i kind of enjoy the, the film and think that sure maybe at times critics were coming in with with their own baggage or whatever into the experience i mean i'm i'm someone who loves pacific rim a great deal um i think it's just a fantastic just fun movie but it's a movie that i don't necessarily have to switch my brain off 
because everything's kept kind of simple in a way and all of the, the action sequences I still understand sort of like why they're happening. So I don't know if it's so much that, that, that critics were just kind of railing against it because it's not art. I think that there, that there ultimately is a good balance that can be found between, I guess, these, these sort of art house films, like a Tarkovsky movie or something and like a Michael Bay flick um you know those are the two complete opposites that 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 I can think of in in my head but um (laughs) it's just I I guess with 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 Bad Boys 2 I think it's because we just don't really know why a lot of the things are happening that that maybe that's why it doesn't kind of click on a more critical level perhaps but the reason why I think it was just commercially successful and why, you know, probably younger people and even, I guess, coming into that guilty pleasure aspect into into adulthood is the fact that, I guess, the 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 chemistry between Martin Lawrence and Will Smith is great. And the dynamic between them and sort of Joe Pantoliano's, that's how you pronounce his name, the, you know, captain and yeah, stuff yeah Joe like Pants. it's, it's yeah. fantastic it's hilarious and there are some just genuinely funny s- scenes in this movie between the two characters and they actually do a fairly good job at drawing the conflict between mike and marcus as partners like there is actually that genuine tension there between them yeah and it's, it's quite interesting i guess maybe watching this movie now at 28 years old and having done I guess my own sort of personal development and just growing up in general. It was interesting watching, you know, Will Smith's character. I think it's Mike, right? You can yeah, just Mike part out where, where I just, you know, forget <laughs> Will Smith's character's name, right? But watching it again as like a 28-year-old who's done my own kind of personal development and growth and things like that, Mike is a very just emotionally stunted human being and, you know, yeah. Martin Lawrence's character, Marcus, I believe that's the character's name, he's actually really trying yeah. quite sincerely <laughs> to manage his mental health and his emotional well-being. And it's interesting because I don't think those ideas were actually yeah. really something that anybody was thinking of. Like, it, it, I don't think it had really expanded into just the collective consciousness of the world to kind of really be on top of like especially men's mental health so there are a number of jokes in the movie that i just think that probably would not make the cut now i mean look maybe they're in bad boys for life i've not seen that movie yet but it was really interesting just seeing will smith's character making these jokes about you know a bunch of men hugging you know like just standing around hugging each other there's some cold hugging and kissing you know like (laughs) i don't know if that joke would really fly now just because i think there's been a lot more not that it wouldn't fly but i feel like like a lot of people yeah, are, yeah. are really taking their mental you, health a lot more seriously times have changed yeah, yeah for sure but it's interesting yeah, you get a you get a lot more blowback exactly yeah yeah they play up the idea of certain characters wanting to take care of their mental health and it's sort of it's sort of funny to me how it seems like they want you to take Mike's side more. Like they make Marcus and the captain seem a bit mm-hmm. silly. Yep, yep. For going through these like stress exactly. management and anger yeah. management sort of techniques that they use, like woosa woosa, and then Will Smith's just sort of sitting there cracking wise. And yeah, it's like if it was designed as a more mature movie, it might be the other way. Yeah, yeah. So See, that's what was really interesting. You know, about like Mike re-watching... needs to deal with. Yeah, the exactly. Shit that's like it was on. interesting rewatching this movie again now. Yeah because I was siding very much with Marcus and the captain now, and 
Mike was just very much like yeah. the like I was like, why is he like why are we siding more with him in this movie? Like I, I feel like either if it was a more mature filmmaker or just simply if it had come out at a later time, perhaps, that maybe we would the film itself would have been taking the side of Marcus and his family more rather than poking fun at them. I don't know, but like I think yeah, that what makes what that, makes the basically. film, I guess what prevents it from really veering into just that, okay, this is actually garbage, um, is is the fact that it has those those other characters there to, I guess, you know, to act as like a, a counterbalance to Mike's emotional immaturity, to have someone there who is actually saying, as the straight character to Mike, you need to grow up kind of thing and in calling him out for his immaturity where he's just thinking about say like his mama's titties and stuff like that right <laughs> like in that sequence before yeah, they go into the haitian the but titties, yeah all he hears yeah. the word titties like it actually helps having yeah. just from like an like an actual storytelling point of view the reason i think that why this movie still is like a watchable film overall despite the fact that it makes no real sense from a plot perspective is that the characters <laughs> generally have conflict between each other so what bad boys 2 does really well though yeah. is it has these very kind of charismatic likable characters who are both kind of flawed in their own way who are also at each other's throats for a large large majority of the movie and that's i think what actually keeps you on board for it because you don't really stay around for the plot you stay around for the characters. I'm glad you mentioned earnestness before. Like the performance is really earnest, especially Mark mm. Lawrence. Generally, a guy who's not either not earnest or not successful in other roles that he's done. So you know, Big Mama's House is pretty much a meme at this point. And other stuff like Black Knight. Mm. Um, yep. I was going to say National Treasure, but it's not. It's National Security. He's just like the silly. He's like the funny black guy, and there's nothing, nothing to it. No complexity at all. Yeah. To his yeah. character, it's sort of like a failed. Martin Lawrence stand-up routine, yeah. whereas this year he's actually playing like he's fully into the character that he's playing, and For so sure. is Will yeah. Smith. And it, it's not that but it's like Will Smith is also yeah, playing up. Like the, it's not that it's a necessarily a deep character study by any means, but there is just some genuinely yeah. even in, <laughs> yeah. in the moments that are sort of fun, like in the action sequences, he's it's, he's playing it with like a real like earnestness, I suppose, like all the goofy stuff, like. He really is the audience surrogate for us when you you have sort of Will Smith who just feels like he sort of does this every day or something or he's just sort of so used to it that he's the one in the passenger seat of the car sort yeah, of screaming sort of about like, the boat kind of or the, the car flipping over them and yeah, stuff like... It's sort of like Will Smith is a su the superhero of the movie and Martin Lawrence is like the unwitting exactly. human sidekick who's just sort of getting dragged along trying to keep up with how ease like the ease that Mike Lowry sort of does everything and yeah, kills people. Yeah. And and just like his his <laughs> sort of reactions to just like, how over like the top everything is, is I think just what allows the sequences to stay grounded enough that we can just go along with it where we're not just tuning out and it just becomes, I guess, action porn, I suppose. Um like even the, yeah. the sequence with, with them um in, in the house with that ridiculous michael bay 360 shot going through the doorway around and stuff and he's stuck in, in yeah, the bathroom and stuff love it yeah. just like he's <laughs> just kind of getting shot at with all this yeah. sort of dust another bathroom and just water and stuff kind of spraying onto him and his reactions are just genuinely hilarious in that sequence um it's like a real kind of joy yeah. 
to to watch him i think now like it, it, it's something which on that on that repeat viewing I, we're I got not a lot immigration <laughs> I, I got a lot more out of his performance maybe i think like watching this you can take a bit of a step back and look at it like a bit of a meta commentary as well so it's like martin Lawrence, like you said is a surrogate i guess like he's commenting for us mm-hmm. on how ridiculous everything is and it's like the movie is commenting on itself as it goes and like going back to with the captain will smith's trying to tell him what's going on in this highway scene and he can't yeah yeah it's it's pretty much like that like the movie is making fun of it itself as it goes which is why sometimes it's difficult to see why it got such a negative almost universally critically panned because a lot of the times when it's obvious that a film's sort of poking fun at itself people can get behind it i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we're going to be talking about this movie in another episode but dread i think is like a fantastic example (laughs) of like like an action film that is really simple that doesn't necessarily aim to be yeah i guess high art in that regard like it plays so well as like a midnight film and that was received kind of fairly yeah fairly positively from critics but i think that's kind of the key difference is that bad boys 2 for all of that 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 action comedy side of things it spends i think just so long kind of getting bogged down in this story that you just ultimately just don't really care about whereas if they had kept the the plot like still within that really simple simple plot mechanics simple character motivations and character arcs as well i mean even a film like dread there is a character arc there it might not feel like there's a big character arc there but there's a clear shift from that character from beginning through to end one thing i guess about bad boys 2 is that i mean while they technically i guess win and there's like a happy ending at there I think maybe from like a storytelling perspective, I can't really tell you whether Mike changed greatly as a character based on the plot of this movie. No, I, don't, I wouldn't say like you, you would think that like maybe in yeah. the hands of like a a stronger storyteller that this could have been about story uh, about Mike's coming of age. Perhaps it's like really I, I could see like yeah if they had really tried to. narrow in on what the character journey was going to be like what is the thing that that the audience is going to be emotionally connecting to i would probably put it out there that this should have been a story about mike's maturity or him i guess growing up yeah and becoming more responsible and him moving away from that bachelor lifestyle into someone who is moving into a more serious relationship and it kind of has little moments of that, but it doesn't ever commit to it, ever. So even after two and a half hours, even though they they kill the, the villain and they get they they save his sister and his girlfriend and stuff, like it doesn't really feel like there's been a big emotional change for the character by the end of the film. Yeah, I was gonna say by the time the movie ends, you've forgotten like anything else that's happened, and it's sort of like we're back at back at the start again. They're chilling out in their pool, having a at the start of the movie. It's like it's just reset. Mm. We've all forgotten everything that's happened. Which before. can I say? I mean, I understand the callback, obviously, to the pool joke at the beginning of the film, but also I had to sit there and I had a good laugh of like, why did you? tie the dog up to the pool in the exact same fashion as you did yeah, earlier in the movie <laughs> yeah. like like it's a great last shot and then they but blame, he blames the pool why would you do that like if you 
And it's, why, why well, does he need to I tie mean, his dog up? He lives, like, on a river. You could. Dogs are going to jump like, in the river the and swim away. Up, you could make the argument that it's that it's metahuman again in that it just shows that they never learn. Look, is that perhaps thinking yeah, too deeply true. about this movie? Maybe, but I'm going to take you one further. It is. Why do they have a pool when they live next <laughs> to a river anyway? That's what I was thinking the whole time. Pollution. Like, look... I was going to say pollution. Yeah, I mean... Because I was thinking, you know, we've got the Swan River here and there's no way in hell you'd get me. Sure. Uh-uh. Did they establish that? <laughs> no. I would have, that's I would bad have. story. Maybe, have, folks. maybe have for safety reasons. Maybe for safety reasons you're not allowed to swim in it. And I don't look, I, 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 look I need a scene where that's explained, folks. Otherwise, I'm not going to know. <laughs> Michael Bay, you let me down again. I need some solid exposition, yeah. They could have done, like... Look, there were there were like three or four people credited. There were like three or four people credited on this movie as like the screenwriters of it, and no one once thought, "Hey, we need a scene about why they can't swim in, swim in that <laughs> river." Um, <laughs> that's, I feel, a big failure from a storytelling perspective, folks. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe that because Roger Ebert gave it, I think, half a star. <laughs> maybe that maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Yeah. I, like, there was just no. Look, I don't want to speak on behalf of Roger Ebert, but. I think that's why. Yeah, that's definitely yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Why. Uh, ben. Yeah. Ben's the the silent type, the quiet one of the group. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I yeah, you two were having a good old chin way. I didn't want to interrupt that. No, mate, uh, this is a podcast. You got to jump in there. <laughs> I'm not yeah, gonna yeah, I'm not jump in. yeah, I'm not gonna interrupt you though. I'll let you in somewhere. No, I. <laughs> To be fair, like like I said at the start, it is what it set out to be. It was a success in that it executed what it set out to execute. Mm-hmm. Are we writing this movie off as like Michael Bay's meta commentary on himself, or is the sample size of Michael Bay enough to know that he'd have no idea that he's doing that? I think he. I think. It's, I think it's almost like he inadvertently did it, or was inadvertently doing it, and then realized it, and then just kept going with it. Yeah, one of the two. I is probably right. more so the former than the latter. I guess overall, I would think that a a filmmaker who has a bit more self awareness could have perhaps made that like a clearer statement throughout the movie. Yeah. Um. I think it tries yeah. to have its cake and eat it in that regard. Like it, it both is self aware, but then also indulges in its worst aspects to the point where you are kind of left exhausted by the end of the movie. Self aware for 15 minutes and then shits Mm -hmm. all over that, that idea for an hour. And then sort of goes back (laughs) to making fun of what just happened the last hour. And then another hour of the same. That's the Michael Bay method of self awareness. I don't know if it is the, the sample size of his is quite large now. I think there's mm-hmm. a strong lack of self-awareness as a filmmaker. So I don't think there's anything that we can say about Michael Bay's style that hasn't been said already and done probably far better due to the, the visual nature of the of the video. And that's the Every Frame of Painting essay on Bayhem that just so beautifully illustrates Michael Bay's style the, and the why of Michael Bay's style, just from like the why he makes those choices and, and the lack of restraint. Like 
the the ability yeah. to kind of actually sit back and say this scene needs to kind of be filmed in this way it's all just about i guess making the most dynamic shot possible that cuts together in the most dynamic way possible but everything in a michael bay movie is turned up to 12 and especially i think in, in bad boys 2 like it's so over the top and even in those moments in between the action sequences where things slow down it is a breather it's like a moment to sort of relax before we go into the next 10 minute ridiculous action sequence where just even if there's a shot where the camera's locked off and it's not moving it's sort of a sigh of relief for me it's like oh, we can kind of have a rest now because we know that it's not going to last very long before we move into the next yeah. big insane kind of set piece the one thing that i will uh appreciate this is sort of an aside but i do appreciate with michael bay um and it might and it might not actually be correct but it feels like it's correct uh and it's when he's like in bad boys too anyway it's when it's those little scenes where they're like doing covert ops or like you know um where it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. uh uh will smith and martin lawrence's characters um it's like where they're needing to like retrieve information or a particular thing and they're having to do it like really covertly. So mm-hmm. um, it's very like tightly shot and the and it and it's um, and the the dialogue makes it see- sound like as if like um, this could actually be what is do- what is done and what is is said in one of these particular missions for the FBI or CIA or something like that. Like, I do appreciate that Michael Bay seems to go into really good detail with making sure that that seems very, very accurate. I, again, I don't know if it is. Being Michael Bay, it probably mm-hmm. is ac- accurate to a degree because of what he, like, what it, what his interests are. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I do appreciate that. Um, in amongst all of the, the, the chaos and absurdity of Bad Boys Two, those particular scenes, scenes seemed incredibly real uh and accurate going as so far as to cast henry rollins in this movie in that opening yeah. sequence <laughs> like i'd yeah. forgotten that there he are was, exceptions it was like what the there fuck? are exceptions you know who's not necessarily great in that performance but he just has a certain i guess like a visual like he looks like a tough dude so it's like i'm going i'm going along with it like i'm i'm, I'm totally radio is fucked <laughs> it's like why are they fucked like like that, that that's another thing that just like just in terms of just the construction of that particular sequence it's just like these radios are fucked it's like why are they fucked like why did they not test these microphones before this operation like it's just like a weird obstacle that they just kind of throw in just to have this thing progress into a gunfight and that's just sort of like i think indicative of the storytelling throughout most of this movie when it comes to the action and just the, the the cause and effect of the plot and how things are moving along like that's kind of where it just feels sloppy where a movie like dread you know you're really understanding why each sequence is kind of progressing into the next one there's there's like a clear cause and effect um i guess uh feeling in the storytelling where it's there's gunfight people are dying it's violent and it's bloody and it's not necessarily playing towards high art but you can clearly understand what's happening and why it's happening. Remember the scene I'm actually thinking about now. 
it's the scene where they are that there's been a drug shipment and they're intercepting the boat on the river. Yeah, mm-hmm. that whole that scene seemed so real. Like it's it, it seemed like it would it could have happened in real life. The least bad boys part or the least Michael Bay part of that movie, I think, is that scene where yeah. they. They're chasing them in the boat, and then Will Smith backs off, and he's like, oh, they're armed. We'll get Coast Guard to shoot their fuel out. So they shoot the fuel tank, and the boat stops because it runs out of fuel. Yeah. And then sort of going <laughs> with the rest of the movie, you're like, surely they just blew the boat up. Out of the entire film, that was the one scene where I'm like, you know what, that's actually really well done. But see, like, it's interesting, right? Because from a storytelling perspective, that sequence, perhaps, I don't know whether it could have worked if they tried to play that into, I guess, Mike's growing maturity perhaps like if it yeah, becomes more about like up. he yeah i don't have to blow everything up but the film kind of doesn't really again commit to any of those those choices really as far yeah, as characterization yeah. when it comes to michael bay and character they could have just been I just more don't, i block my ears for sure but i mean like if if we're going to be unpacking i guess like why this movie like why was this movie received badly critically i don't think it's just because it's simple and it's kind of it's silly and it's dumb like even the first pacific rim film was received fairly well uh but a lot of people tend to sort of say oh that's a very stupid movie but i really really enjoy it because it is simple because there are sort of clear character arcs in that movie guillermo del toro knows how to at least tell a story and to have his characters grow from that and to commit to those those character choices like there is beauty in simplicity it's that it's that classic saying of simple plot complex characters or complex plot simple characters but this movie kind of doesn't commit to really out of that it's kind of like a needlessly convoluted plot with simple characters but those simple characters don't even have simple arcs so that's just i think where maybe just from like a critical perspective if we're breaking that down i think that's maybe why it didn't click for them and why it doesn't necessarily work for me in terms of that it, it, it kind of being up there in those sort of categories of action films that i can say are just fucking awesome and, and not and not have any sense of like irony to it as i'm saying it like i can recommend a film like the raid films with no sense of irony behind it like that's not a guilty pleasure it's just it's just a straight up fucking awesome action film that just works for what it is bad boys yeah. 2 for me it still has that element of like it is fun, but it's also kind of trashy at the same time. Yeah, I think that's a good point, is just the lack of commitment. You can see there's a huge change in Marcus, even from, not from start to finish, there's not a huge change, but there's a change in his character from when we first meet him in the first one. Mike's still exactly the same, and he's still exactly the same at the very end. Marcus is trying to dig deeper into into their relationship and get them more open and talking and sharing, and then we want to take Will Smith's side as just laughing it off and making him sound like an idiot is the lack of maturity from Michael Bay like he's not wanting to commit to that to mm-hmm. that character growing or these characters like changing at all it's just like oh, it's funny because yeah you know he's, he's a silly like, hippie because he's yeah exactly he's right and like help. there are these yeah. there are actually these these elements the elements are there to, to kind of tell a simple action movie story where the characters kind of grow from each other in some way but it never goes to those places ever. Like it's, it's, it's almost like it's afraid of doing that because its intended audience is teenage boys. But that's the thing. So the demographic is teenage boys. Why, why is that, why is that, a, pro- why is that a, a bad thing? Because there are things in this movie that I think are potentially damaging to young teenage boys. If, if it's to be kind of, if it was being put out in a certain way. 
Like, I think now that we're perhaps in a place where we are talking about mental health, particularly when it comes to men's Especially mental health. young that, men. Yeah. Exactly. That for a film to kind of be siding more with the character that's sort of making these wisecracks about a bunch of men hugging and kissing. That's some cold shit, you know? Like, we're sitting there, we're laughing at marcus and martin lawrence's character because we don't have the emotional maturity ourselves to really make that distinction now i think towards an adult we're able to make that distinction and say yeah mike is an emotionally immature and emotionally stunted human being but i don't know if like a 12 or a 13 year old especially me at that time again it was also talking about no i saw this at 14 and i was just like yeah this shit's fucking hilarious so would you say (laughs) yeah exactly so would you say then that uh another reason why this movie failed then was that it was it was too mature for its actual demographic and too immature for not for the demographic that may have actually appreciated it. No, I wouldn't say it was too mature for its demographic. Sorry, too, 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 okay. So it's too, imma- <laughs> no, so it's too immature for either demographic. I think so. And uh, I mean, I, I think it's just, uh... it's hard to say it's, imma- imma- it's an immature movie for an immature audience but it's not challenging an immature audience's maturity does it have to it's happy it's happy maintaining and yeah but that's the thing does it have to it's a michael bay film do you expect it to it's one thing to say but it's a michael bay film but i mean if the discussion is going to be around like why does this movie not work or why was this movie not received well i think that's like a really big component of that that why a film doesn't have to be complex for it to be mature. Correct. Yeah. Yep. A lot of the, the Pixar that. films kind of work for all audiences. And I'm not saying that Michael Bay yeah. or that Bad Boys as a franchise needs to go to that level of being accessible <laughs> like a Pixar movie, but it's something that can be engaged with like emotionally and intellectually enough for both an older audience and a younger audience. I think because the film is sort of immature, um, and kind of sides with the character that is a bit more emotionally stunted it kind of comes across as immature for that that older audience and then for a younger audience they just don't know yeah Mm. it positions itself i guess Mm. perhaps with the wrong perspective whereas you can still have the character be really emotionally immature and, and say all the same things that he does but filmmaking is often about perspective and because the perspective of the movie is with the one that's more emotionally immature, our overall takeaway from the film can often be within conflict yep. with how, I guess, we actually personally feel. And then from like a younger audience watching a movie, I mean, this is, again, like a way deeper conversation than probably what Bad Boys 2 or what I ever expected <laughs> Bad Boys 2 to get out of me or what it really deserves. But in terms of, I guess, like what what films and what what they kind of mean to people and what they can do for people. I think just in regards to the whole men's mental health thing, it was really interesting watching this movie in 2020 from my own perspective, kind of going, there are some things that are being said that are making me uncomfortable, but then the movie doesn't actually make a commentary about that in any like deep or meaningful way. And you can still have those things there and it can be simply done and simply executed and it could still have all of these action sequences in there, but it needs to commit to something um, and it does commit to something perhaps in the form of, I guess, like Mike Lowry, I guess, like as that kind of character that we are seeing the world through more. But I don't know if that's necessarily the right perspective for the film to take as far as making it the most emotional journey for this very simple 
action movie plot. A direct counterpoint is a movie like Fight Club, where the demographic is not the same, but well, I know me growing up, all of us around 14, 15, 16 were fucking obsessed with that movie. Mm. And mm. not for the more sort of advanced or mature not for the nuanced that, reasons, no. Yeah, or well, the themes <laughs> that you, when you watch it as an adult, you sort of take a total different viewpoint from it. That deals with mental health, like men's mental health as well. Mm. And that's sort mm-hmm. of what you take away a bit from, as as a young guy, it's just like, oh yeah, Fight Club, that's a pretty cool idea, ha ha. And it's like, it's got a lot of comedy in it. And then just like, one man struggle with his own mental health. But then when you watch it as an adult, the movie is commenting on that as it goes. So like Corey mm-hmm, was saying, yeah. the lack of commentary from Bad Boys 2 on itself and its emotional immaturity versus like the emotional immaturity of some of the men in Fight Club and how degraded uh, Ed Norton's mental health has become um, mm-hmm, and sort mm-hmm. of like how he sees himself, how he wants to see himself. You know, he wants to see himself as someone as good as Brad Pitt or as good looking, confident as Brad Pitt. Totally. And, and, and that movie ultimately is like a coming of age story. And then there's all the other, you know, under consumerism stuff underneath, which sort of grabs you as a as a younger person. But then as mm-hmm. you, well, me personally watching it as a, you know, an older person now, a more mature person, you sort of, you go underneath that. And yeah, like you said, it's more of a coming of age movie than a, say, an anti-capitalist movie, which is what you might. Absolutely, yeah. When you're younger, whereas Bad Boys 2 never changes. The whole, you just watch it and it's the same movie every time. It's just stupid. And those arcs can be, again, very, very similar simple but i just wish that it kind of committed to that so it didn't necessarily have to just be like a guilty pleasure movie for me it could be something that i could just genuinely say if you are in a certain mood where you don't want to watch something that is complex that um that is is slower and more i guess considered in that sense you kind of do want something that's more fun i wish that bad boys 2 could be that movie that i could say but instead i'm going to go towards um movies like the raid like dread like pacific rim if if they're if they're okay with giant monsters and robots but bad boys 2 is more of like a if you want to see something that's like really dumb but fun and it's more of a guilty pleasure kind of time i'm going to say bad boys 2 because there are genuinely sequences in this movie that are fun seeing michael shannon in this movie is really (laughs) fun because i love michael shannon he's the best he's got no and it's just great in this movie no and i like i'm I'm so curious about what he what he thought about that whole process and why he's in bad boys too (laughs) like i'm sure there's probably a story out there on the internet about uh, you know from michael shannon about his experience i guess working with with michael bay but i guess that's that's the thing about michael bay as a filmmaker despite the fact yeah exactly like (laughs) despite the fact that he makes his really immature films he still pulls some incredible talent into his movies including like john Turturro and stuff in the first transformers movies um yeah and, and things like that it's like yeah. why it just for me that's almost a, like a how does he do this outside of just the paycheck like i'm sure that probably is a big part of it that these actors these really i guess established actors who have been in award winning an award nominated films coming onto a Michael Bay movie, but to be like, yes, I'm gonna give you that much time. Like Sean Connery's in the rock, is Ewan McGregor and this is Charlize Theron, the the island, mm-hmm. which is Michael Bay's, you know, art piece. Um, so it's like <laughs> even from the start, he's been uh, getting the these island. actors who who you maybe, you know, wouldn't be as familiar with him back then, but sort of look that surely they'd look at his work now and be like what the f- well he's not going to get the best out of me as an actor so i'm clearly just doing mm-hmm. this for fun it is interesting to see those ta- talented actors like that get drawn into something like this especially michael shannon who's in it for like three minutes 
it's mostly it, locked in a boot it truly does time. feel like three minutes doesn't it i still remember the i have my rights like all these years later yeah. like going into that rewatch i can't even remember the last time that i saw bad boys 2 before my recent rewatch for it but i was excited to watch michael shannon in this movie say that line again <laughs> so look you know yeah. i have my rights like that's just always stuck with me. So thank you, Michael Bay, is what I'm trying to say. If you're listening, Michael Bay, to this podcast, um, I just want to say thank you. I mean, he's that. definitely listening. He's we know he is. He's definitely tuning in. Yeah. We know he is. So so not in your, so what you're telling me is not in your, you've got 10 movies to get you through quarantine, Corey. It's not in your, not in your 10? Mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> think it would be. However, I did pick up this movie in 4k ultra hd blu-ray and that was the third choice in my buy two get one free the other two films in that (laughs) purchase was stanley kubrick's the shining and ridley scott's blade runner two of arguably the greatest films of all time and very much in my top 10 and i chose to make my free selection michael bay's bad boys 2 i mean it's it was a free selection, so... It, w- it was a free selection. I mean, like, <laughs> most people would probably maybe give that free selection to another film of the caliber of the first two that I mentioned, but I chose Michael Bay's Bad Boys 2. Now, did I select it more for this podcast? Perhaps. Um, it's maybe not a statement three, on three the visionary, film overall. Yeah. Three visionary <laughs> films. But three, visionary three visionary films. Filmmakers. I mean, look, Michael Bay, in a way, he is a visionary. Like, he has a style that is, yeah, like, unlike anybody way. else. Very strong. Um, yeah. It's a very strong style, but is obviously the very definition of, of style over substance. Like, like that sequence when they're, they're crashing through all of the... There's like tin houses yeah, down that house. hill in oh, the yeah, Yellow Hummer. Yeah. I'm just I'm just watching it. I'm enjoying every second of it, but I'm just laughing and enjoying myself because I'm like, why is that thing exploding? Like, I don't know what's causing this fireball. Lab. Other than it's a meth lab, but just like running through it just means that it's going to blow up. But like, it's just <laughs> yeah. pure visual stimulus um, in a way that yeah. is exhausting where it's just like, I think it was actually th- the the highway sequence they they shot it on like this telephoto lens there's this car traveling probably not even that fast in terms of what what the car was actually traveling at but it was on this telephoto lens and the camera was shaking so much and there was just so much foreground i guess i guess stuff going on things sort of whizzing past in front of it that you couldn't for any you couldn't really say what was happening in it but you, you knew that that car was traveling way faster than what it had any real probably capacity to but michael bay just somehow yeah. made it look like this car is traveling like like, like a rocket ship. Now, yeah yeah like, <laughs> like that's just michael bay styles that everything is turned up to 10 and even though this car is traveling so much faster according to that shot than what this giant truck with these cars on the back of it is traveling at is somehow yeah. is not able to catch up in like two seconds yeah like, i found that funny the car could never catch up to this massive it truck. never catches up like and it always seems like it's right there and then it will cut back like 30 seconds later and they're like way further back and there's like five police cars yeah in front of them again that get you know shot or kind of get hit by this other car that flips over like, there's no strong sense of geography either at times yeah. like it's just throwing stuff at you so quickly that you don't really have time to think that by the end of the sequence you, you you are exhausted and you don't really know what happened on a plot level but i guess it looks cool i love that line when he's like 
Dan Marino should definitely get this guy. Well, not this one, because I'm going to fuck this one up. It should definitely get one like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, yeah. Good. I live for those little little moments in the <laughs> yeah. action sequence. And, and you know, yeah. like, Martin Lawrence's gun going off in his Porsche is, like, a great... It's, like, a great moment, I think, yeah. of just... Yeah, I just... And I think... I think Those. I think sometimes when I put movies on because my wife knows like the kind of movies that I like like say I'll watch Blade Runner 2049 or something like that and she's just sitting there mm-hmm. looking at me like I fucking hate this movie why'd you put this on but then I'll put <laughs> Bad Boys 2 on and the whole time it's just like my eyes you know beaming like I haven't seen this movie before I laugh at everything she's looking at me like how can you this is the opposite <laughs> how, can you like, how can you like genuinely like both of these movies I, I okay, see look, this I mean, film I think that we need to talk about then <laughs> the comedy in this movie, like when it actually does commit to the action, sorry, to the comedy part of the action comedy label that like it has on, it's on like Wikipedia. The sequence where he does, where he, where he is, I guess, like um, high on those two ecstasy pills is genuinely yeah. a joy. It's genuinely a yeah. joy. Like Michael Lawrence doing that little dance into the captain's house. That little <laughs> yeah. like, it, it without fail makes me laugh so so hard it's just yeah the little yeah you know it, you know it the little yeah it's great and i just um, i just love this is a nice fish big fucking eyes <laughs> but a nice fucking fish <laughs> like it's that's just genuinely just a great time <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's yeah it's genuinely joyous and I, I i kind of wish that the movie just had more moments like that i see this film part of your like a, a healthy film diet if you will got your, mm-hmm. your ones that you should be that should be your base that you should consuming be your, your sustenance yeah. yeah consume you mm-hmm. regularly mm-hmm. yeah this isn't yep. one of them this is your junk food this is you don't you don't not ever have it you can enjoy it from time to time but it's sort of it. like the 3 a.m trip to Macca's because yeah you're starving and you can't it's see. definitely yeah. that right because yeah. there's 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 <laughs> junk food that you can get that is sort of produced or like it's it's like it's kind of higher end junk food you know like it, it's like that burger kind of joint that you go to that's obviously kind of hip-hop themed for some reason and yeah. you go there and it's like it's like a really kind of the like burger's $25, gourmet but it's yeah, also like, yeah it's like $25 like just junk food and then you have like your McDonald's like 3 a.m. 3 job like that's like Michael Bay's like Bad Boys 2 it's a 3 a.m. <laughs> junk food job and then you would have maybe something like like like, like a like a straightforward action film kind of thing is like your your your, your finer kind of burger experience perhaps yeah, which you take that analogy yeah, just yeah. want yeah your gourmet junk food you know if the feng shui yeah. if we're going to play that sort of martin lawrence energy from that. <laughs> feng shui yeah great great scene i just Definitely love will like smith's that. reactions in that in that scene oh, as shit. well as martin lawrence is, is doing ah oh, shit like it's it's great and, and, and but then it also kind of works because you have the captain's reaction sort of like then mirroring that as well like despite the fact that he doesn't know what's happening yeah him. like it's so simple and it's silly but that's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie <laughs> yeah what i fucking love about that scene is when he starts drinking the water out of the base and the captain's mm-hmm. like what the fuck is going on he's like he ingested x <laughs> and then they call the poison line and they mm-hmm. work the the narcotics division of the miami police <laughs> yeah. department that's and a they very don't good know point. Like what I didn't to, even think about. They that. don't know what to do when someone takes ecstasy. Like <laughs> <laughs> they just—they're like, "Oh, make sure you keep him cold and he doesn't get hot, otherwise he'll get brain damage." You should probably know that. <laughs> You're the, You're the captain, captain of the narcotics <laughs> department. You should probably have some notion of the effects of this drug and 
what it's going to do oh, and yeah. how Man, to. That scene just got so, so much funnier for like, me. That's what yeah, and I mean they're gen and they're generally incompetent the entire way through the movie because oh, yeah. they just. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly Mike's fault. They just kick down doors, start shooting people until they kill everyone, and then pick up the pieces afterwards. And then they're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that I'm plays so great I, I in that the case. Like, like after that that shootout at the Haitian hideout where Mike yeah. is trying to like you know he's sort of playing it up obviously but he's like interrogating all of the dead suspects that they've just shot kind of yeah. thing yeah um like it's it's so like it's so funny but it also just serves so well as like a character <laughs> conflict moment for these two people yeah. um it's really well done. And then even when they pick up the camera, he's like, yeah, look, I got the camera and they open it and it's got a bullet hole in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just trigger And can we talk about again. that sequence in the video store as well? Because that was some wild shit. That's, that's, watching that that's my favorite. That's in probably my favorite scene in the movie. That whole thing is my favorite. It generally scene. has some really funny moments in it, but again, like th- th- there are some comedic elements in that particular sequence where I was like, I don't think that would, really fly perhaps in 2020 if it was if if, if someone like put forward that i i, I, I oh, think most of it is probably okay like you could probably go through with it um but i think it's it's, it's that line at the end of that scene is that stinger where the sort of lady has, has just watched i guess the the video yeah i guess on the screens of, of them and it's it's played as if that the, the, they're talking about sort of what you did to my ass last night kind of thing um it's played in that yeah. way and then she walks past and goes and you two motherfuckers, motherfuckers need jesus. jesus like yeah. i don't know if that particular joke would kind of <laughs> make it make the but cut if that the good the thing film is, though, is that whole scene. now i don't know that whole podcast so who knows <laughs> no i think like homophobia or like homophobic jokes they sort of they went out of fashion like almost like very abruptly so you know it was you know not okay but it was okay for a really long period of time and then even in the hangover movies mm-hmm. and then it's sort of like oh, even yeah, now yeah. 10 10 years later if they made the hangover it wouldn't work so it's like almost oh, sure. overnight the general I don't want to say general, I guess the majority viewpoint around that subject matter just completely shifted what is and what isn't okay. So so many movies mm-hmm, yeah. are now, you could say, dated because of it. But I think what's good about that is if you do take that sort of end bit out, they're not really criticizing. You know, it sort of works because it's not homophobic in its nature aside from the old Christian lady. Yes. But yeah, then you can exactly, sort of point yeah. it out, make fun of her because she's out of touch. But the fact that it's, like you said, it's the it's like the punchline at the end. Exactly. Like, there's no moment where the film kind of then says, as you said, that that woman it's is out of touch yeah. or, or anything, or it's like she's a dickhead or she's yeah. sort of prejudiced or whatever. Like, that's the stinger of the yeah. scene. And so that's like the last thing that we sort of take away. And I guess because, like, I'm a firm believer that generally the ending of a film and the ending of scenes is kind of what the last, like, you know, that's the last thing that an audience really takes with them before they move on to the next scene or they move on with their lives after the film ends. Like, if that's your stinger, it can sort of that's create this weird like yeah it's sort of a it's 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 like maybe the intent was just to play it as like a cheap laugh but as far as like yeah if you were to ask that question yeah it doesn't fly kind of make the cut these days i don't think it would just because you like that's that's the ending part of it like there's no other moment where any other character in in that scene sort of calls her out for that sort of prejudice or at least questions it in any way um so that was just really interesting from like like a time capsule 
point of view of, yeah, kind of putting on yeah, a film definitely. and seeing how things have changed or whatever. I would just like it to be known that if I didn't have to do this podcast, I would not have watched this film. <laughs> <laughs> I um, definitely would have and definitely will again. I will uh, maybe echo some of what Ben has said and said that maybe it wouldn't have been my free selection in my buy to get one free <laughs> if this podcast for me. wasn't going to be a thing if it wasn't for brent saying that we're going to do a podcast on bad boys 2 in saying that when i did buy it there was a part of me that was genuinely excited about re-watching this movie again just from the perspective of a 28 year old Corey, being like Okay, yeah. at one point I really enjoyed this movie, like how immature was I back then kind of thing to really, really, I guess, think that this yeah. was like one of the better action films out there or, or, or can I still enjoy it um, for all those things? And like I said, there are these genuinely really great moments and those are all the moments where it really leans on it being a, a comedy. Obviously where it falters is just from those sort of basic storytelling things. And I think that's what would, prevent this movie from ever really being considered maybe is that as one of those those all-time great action movies that still work that yeah sense. i will i will continue to watch this movie probably at minimum once a year for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> I, I i will say like as much as i'd said you know i, I would never i would never watch this movie now that i have watched it it's not as you want bad. To watch it again. No, no, no. It's not as no. I still <laughs> won't ever watch it again. But I, it's still, it's, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Well, then to to, to answer the question of the podcast, is the film unwatchable, boys? It's not unwatchable. No, not, not in the slightest. They're asking the wrong person. No, we should just ask as, as, that, that question as someone, at the as of someone who legitimately, as someone who legitimately does not like Michael Bay and his films, this is not mm-hmm. unwatchable. Wicked, so I guess that uh, brings us to the end of epic chat about the the masterpiece. I don't think anyone Citizen has Kane, the ever, Citizen Kane of its generation. Yeah, I don't think anyone has ever discussed Bad Boys Two at this much detail at this much length. Yeah, I tried to or tried to make the argument for Michael Bay's self awareness. Well, there. on that, Brent, I, I I know that you were trying to wrap things up, but let's just you know let's just go there. In the last podcast, you <laughs> asked me where did Batman v Superman sit in the sort of Zack Snyder filmography, and just because I'm someone who can't rank films, I just I'm just terrible at it generally. Um, yeah. As the person who really wanted to make this podcast happen. Where does Bad Boys 2, yeah. for you, sit in Michael Bay's filmography? Because it feels like it's probably yeah. number one. Michael Bay's filmography, yeah, it would be number one, but there's not a lot of competition, I don't think. So you think Bad Boys 2 is like peak Michael Bay? It's peak Bay, yeah. Because it's... it's peak Bay. Like, if you asked me to pick a movie that summed up a director's career, then this is the perfect sort of encapsulation of what Michael Bay's career looks like. Uh, I so get it's peak, you. I it's feel peak, you. I yeah, understand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's peak it's Bayhem. Peak Bay. Yeah, so it's, it's peak Bayhem for me. It's probably, I don't know if you guys think it's Michael Bay's best movie, even though you've got a like, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> like There's not, not a lot to pick from. Let us know, like you guys out there listening, let us know where this fits in your general pantheon and Michael Bay 
Pantheon. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com slash unwatchablepod. You can find us on Twitter at unwatchablepod. You can join our community through the page as well. Any films you want us to talk about, hit us up in the group, hit us up on the page, hit us up on Twitter, and we'll get around to watching them if we haven't seen them or probably jump at the opportunity. We mentioned Dread a couple of times in the podcast. That is one that we'll be doing coming up soon, as well as uh, Jupiter Ascending, which was put forward to us by by someone and i checked that out today for the first time and um i mean i'm looking forward to talking about it it sounds like it's going to be a spicy <laughs> episode for you brent i am yet yeah, to watch probably, it yeah i think so i think so i'm yet to watch it so it i have no opinion one way or the other at the moment <laughs> well stay tuned guys for more episodes enjoy hope you're all enjoying quarantine uh get yourself one of those $500 4K TVs from Aldi. I mean, don't, but <laughs> if, you're de- if you're desperate, if you're desperate, do it. Just as long um, as you wash your hands afterwards. Yeah, wash your hands. Wash your hands. Just keep washing your hands. Wash your hands looks like movie. I think that we should end every episode just, <laughs> just saying wash your hands. Yeah, cool. It feels yeah. right. Goodbye and wash your hands. Yeah, thanks for listening and wash your hands. Thanks, everyone. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, everyone.